November 27th. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Yeah, this hour of Flames Talk with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media and my name is Pat Steinberg. Underway, let's dive in on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calvarylockandsafe.com. The Flames home for six in a row here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. These feel like very unfamiliar confines here in the Hot Stove Lounge. But They'll become much more familiar. Flames have not had a homestand longer than two games all season. Here they are starting their first extended stretch at home of the regular season in late November. Hello, Wes. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, too. It's good to be back here. It's always good to be in the Hot Stove Lounge. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. And as much as I would love to avoid it, and as much as I would love anything but talking about this topic we do have to talk about the power play again because it has been such a hindrance to this group it has been such a storyline in a negative way over the last couple of weeks so when you have a power play struggling to this extent you can't not have conversations about it it can't not be one of the first things you talk about when thinking about the team yeah we should probably apologize to our preschool and our kindergarten teachers here because the old if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything (laughs) at all we're not going to be able to follow that for the next 20 minutes or so um starting with the fact that they are 1-for-29 in their last 10 games on the power play. So in their last 10 games, there's been one game where they've scored a power play goal, and they've scored just the one time in that game. And in that same stinky stretch, two shorties. Yes, they have been outscored on the power play. The in other their past team, 10 games. In their past 10 games, the other team has scored more shorthanded goals yes. than the Flames have scored power play goals. Minus one on the power play. Not the kind of minus one that Wilsey and I are striving for on the golf course. No. The bad kind. And you know what? In a game, you can live with a minus one when you get a shorthanded goal again. Like, that happens. Over a 10-game stretch, you probably don't want to be minus one when your power play's been outscored by the other team's penalty kill. Um, and when you're a team that I don't know how many times Blake Coleman has said it this year to you or to me or to everybody. I think this team is very well aware that they're going to be playing on the razor's edge all year long, that the way that they're they're not going to be winning a lot of 7-4 games this year. There's going to be a whole lot more 4-3, 3-2, type wins for this group. This is not the league's highest scoring team. This is not a high-octane offensive group. Like They're going to be playing in a lot of close one-goal games once again and when you're in close one goal games your power play can be the difference of losing a game getting a game to extra time or getting that extra insurance goal and being able to play with a two goal lead as opposed to a one goal lead which does change things drastically so when you're already on the razor's edge like the flames are when your margin for error is as thin as calgary's is on most nights 
you can't have a power play that is as bad as this one is. It's no longer struggling. It's no longer mediocre. This is a bad power play right now. And baby steps would be great because any steps out of where they are right now would be a positive. Well, the baby steps would be creating chances and creating momentum, right? There hasn't even been... And maybe I, I'm missing one, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm struggling to even think of an even-strength goal that was scored recently where you kind of think, okay, well, that started with the momentum that they built with a strong power play. We just haven't seen any of it. And, and we, and I know you have some stats to, to back this part up. We're, we're not seeing a lot of scoring chances. No. They... Uh... So overall this season, uh, over at Natural Statric, they are ranked 20th. What do they play, 21 games now or 20 games? 21. Um, So they are ranked 20th in slot chances on the power play. Uh, However, if you take this 10-game stretch into account that they're in right now, they've dropped to 25th overall in this 10-game stretch in terms of how many slot chances they're creating on the power play. Their rate of getting quality chances on the power play is 20th overall and drops to 25th in this miserable 10-game stretch. So, yeah, they're not even getting chances. This is not a situation where they're not burying quality opportunities. It's a situation where they're not even generating quality opportunities. They're not even putting themselves in a situation to finish off 10 bell chances. If I if I can just throw one more really impressive stat in there. If the Calgary Flames were an individual, they would have eight power play goals and be leading Brock Besser and Chris Kreider by one. Huh. So those two players have like individually almost outscored the entire team Correct. on the power The Flames play. do not have a player with two power play goals. Which is hard to wrap your head. Every single power play goal has been scored by a different player. Right. Because they're like, I, I get it. There's no one performing at a, a superstar caliber clip for these Calgary Flames. And, and to your point, we've heard it from Blake Coleman and certainly other players have alluded to the fact that they think they're going to have to be a sort of blue-collar bunch to score goals. You're not going to have the guy go end-to-end when you really need a goal and and bail the group out. But I do believe, and maybe, hey, correct me if I'm way off here, but I do believe they have too much talent to have eight power play goals in 21 games. They have guys who have, in their careers, been productive on power plays. And, And I think... That's what makes it so baffling. I think that's why we saw again today some tweaks to the personnel that they're going to use. That they're they're really scrambling for answers here. Yep. They I, we heard Elias Lindholm essentially say, "Yeah, I don't know exactly what the problem is, but we're not on the same page." Well, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Yep. The uh, let's let's hear from a couple of particulars. Let's start with Elias Lindholm. He spoke about the power play and their struggles over the uh, last ten games. He talked about it on Monday morning. Just uh, keep it simple. Um, you know, uh, pucks to the net and retrieve and, and do it over again. I think uh, right now we're. Uh, 
yeah, I don't have a good answer for what we're doing, but uh, yeah, we, we're, we're not on the same page, that's for sure. Is it like a struggle with grasping concepts? Is it something else? Like, why has there been this struggle with the power play as a player? I think, uh, you know, when things are not going our way, we're, we're you know, we're trying too much and, and, you know, everyone wants to do well, but... Uh, you know, uh, it's tough when everyone is not on the same page and, and guys start doing, you know, their own thing, kind of. So, Elias Lindholm, not everybody on the same page right now on the power play. What about from Nazem Kadri, who spoke about it on Monday morning as well? Just got to start shooting the puck. I think take some more opportunities. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we're, you know, looking for uh, too much of a perfect play and it gets a little scrambly. So, you know, we're going to look to simplify. And, um, you know, it's not uncommon for power plays to, to go hot or to go cold either direction so uh, we're looking to bounce back and hopefully get one tonight what's the key to you, you all getting into sync and, and knowing where each other is on that man advantage and maybe not spending as much time regrouping and, yeah. and things like yeah, that I think uh, just being set and organized I mean that's uh, that's crucial just obviously uh, you know, we've had some meetings we're going to be prepared so I think uh, you know when everybody's kind of pulling on the same rope on the same page and everybody knows exactly what they uh, you know what they have to do I think it uh, comes together a little bit better so um, you know, we'll, we'll improve. So both Kadri and Lindholm use the term or, or the idea of being on the same page. We're all pulling in the same direction. It just and, – and Ryan Huska said it this morning. They're, they're not predictable enough to each other, which I thought was really interesting. That, you know, they're, they're starting to feel like maybe at five-on-five five, that predictability of their game is getting to a better spot. But on the power play, it still seems like there's a lot of, okay, where's this guy going? And is, is he going to be in the right spot? And, you know, player will be on the half boards and he'll try to bump it back on the backhand and nobody will be there. Or, you know, a pass will be, okay, well, that this would usually be, guy would be in the bumper in that spot, but he's not there. And it's easily intercepted by the other team and clear. They're way too predictable to the other team right now, but they're they're having a hard time kind of getting comfortable with where everybody's supposed to be is kind of what the biggest takeaway I had was. Yeah, and that's not just, and the examples you use are great, but it's not just when they're set up in the zone. It's also on their entries. It's on the the neutral zone, you know, trying just trying to get into enemy territory and, and get set up has has been a struggle. The other thing we heard a lot of, I chatted with Noah Hannafin, and and he brought it up. I I know Ryan Huska alluded to to it, or more than alluded to it this morning, is having a five-on-five mentality on the power play. And what that means to me is forget this cutesy, let's pass it into the back of the net, let's get a whole lot more direct, and when we have an opportunity to shoot, Let's take it. Even if you think there's maybe a, a prettier pass to the back door, at this point, with the struggle it's been on the power play, I've seen a real concerted effort the last couple of games to just try to funnel everything you can at the net. And they believe that's going to be the way they're going to get themselves out of it. Yep. Uh, one more clip I wanted to play for you. This is from uh, the Coaches Show with Ryan Huska. We get an opportunity to chat with Coach Huska uh, every every game day exclusively. And and I asked him about the power play in this chat. I thought he gave he, he gave a, a pretty detailed breakdown of what he's looking for more of. This was uh, Ryan Huska when I spoke with him Monday morning. 
One, it needs to have a lot more pace to it. That's important for us. Uh, I think, two, it needs to have a shot mentality. So there needs to be a lot more shot attempts than what we're doing uh, right now. And then we need to be competitive when we, tr we ret retrieve the puck. Um, we can't be a one-and-done group when we're shooting pucks. So we've asked the guys to speed their game up a little bit. We're looking at this as a fresh start for us. You know, we've talked about coming home. This is the start of a new segment for us. Um, we challenged our guys this morning, and they're a, a big part of winning and losing games as special teams. So we have to make sure that the guys that are out there, it's a privilege, and, and with that privilege comes great responsibility. So they have to make sure that they're difference makers for us in a positive way. So more pace is the first thing that he talks about and really wants to see, because uh, that, that, that goes into the pace that you're moving the puck, the pace that you're moving your feet, the pace that you're moving around. Um, and I think... And the pace you're thinking it at. And, and that might be the, the biggest area where they need to take a step at, because it sure does feel like there's a lot of stationary movement and a lot of puck on stick and then trying to figure out where to go next as opposed to and I'm not trying to suggest that some of these other power plays Calgary should be in the same same area but like when you saw Dallas's power play and how quickly they moved it and that Pavelski goal or when you saw Colorado's power play and the quick movement when they entered and then that kick pass McKinnon, Ranton and Drewan bam back of the net like that's how you and there's no McKinnon on the Flames. I'm, I'm very well aware of that. But Nazem Kadri is a pretty good power play entry guy. And so what comes next after the entry? How do you get it so that there's a natural kick point one way or the other? And then when that player gets the puck, there's a quick touch pass to get you set up or to get a nice quality opportunity. It just right now, everything seems so formulaic. Everything seems so robotic. And when it's as kind of sedentary as that, it seems pretty easy for opposing penalty kills to read you and get in lanes and get in the way. Well, and this is, is purely anecdotal. I, I don't have any stats. I don't think there are any stats to back this up. But what, what we're not seeing a lot of lately is respect for the flames power 100 percent, right that we're seeing and i i really noticed it in a couple of the games on the road the opposing penalty kill is playing them really aggressively they're really pressuring them into being forced to sort of rush some decisions and it's getting them in trouble because collectively they don't have any confidence right that's what happens when you're one for 29 in your last 10 games is you hop the boards knowing that your power play has d done more harm than good of late. You, yeah. you can see there's not that sort of collective feel good and what we're seeing is opposing penalty killers try to take advantage of that. And the Calgary Flames would be coaching their guys the exact same way. What uh, What's the biggest culprit for it in your eyes? Because I kicked this one around. Like I, I, I know that Kirk Muller took a lot of slings and arrows last year for how average to mediocre the power play was. It seems like, at least percentage-wise, it definitely has taken a step back this year, and now a lot of glares are going Mark Savard's way. But it's tough for me to point the finger squarely at coaching when – Personnel-wise, I think they've got decent personnel. I think they, they should be better than 11.8% on the season and whatever, 3% in the, last, uh, in the last 10 games. But I still see a team that is 25th ranked in the power play or on the power play since the beginning of last year. 
And you can't tell me that losing those two guys that they lost when they were a top 10 power play the year before. Right. You know, Gaudreau and Kachuk's big year with Lindholm, that was a top 10 power play. Following year, they drop, and they've just continued to drop. And so in the last 100-plus games, they're the 25th-ranked power play in the NHL. Well, for years and years, if you asked someone – even a, a casual fan, well, who's the Calgary Flames power play run through? It was pretty obvious, right? It was Johnny Gaudreau. Well, who's the Calgary Flames power play run through right now? It sort of depends on the sequence or the game. Like we, there hasn't been, and and I don't know if it's a lack of continuity or or just a, a lack of someone sort of grabbing that spot and taking charge of it. They'd like it to be Jonathan Huberto, but. I don't. I honestly don't really know who the power power play runs through. Yeah, who you know who is the biggest key? I, it has to be Huberdeau, but it too often it just hasn't been. Right now, if you ask me, I think Kadri's the biggest key to it right now. Right? Yeah, but should it be? It probably should be. To your point, Huberdeau, but being the the guy that we believe he is. Yeah, and and for a while they've certainly tried to run it through Rasmus Anderson, who isn't even on the power play tonight based on the formations we've seen. I think I think he might rotate in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Monday morning, the two power play units, Anderson was killing penalties on, on Monday morning when they did special teams. It was Hannafin and Weger who were the two-point men as they went back to – four forwards on each of the units. And they've the amount of the amount of shuffles that they have thrown into the mix with who's on PP there was a stretch there where there was no one and two unit. It was just two units. Right. Now there's pretty clearly a one and a two, but that's changed. We've seen Zary on the one or Pospisil on the one. Uh, now they've got Sharon Govich back on it. Like the amount of different tweaks Rizichka's been on and off and you know Manjapani's been on the first unit or the second unit. They they've tried everything in terms of different personnel. Right. They just got they just got to start. It, they, they, there there needs to be more urgency on it and more like noticeable urgency on it. And I'm not suggesting that they go out there and are lackadaisical on purpose. But I almost think if there is a let's let's go out and treat this like this is a power play to win a hockey game as opposed to a power play in the first period maybe that can help start turn things a little bit all it takes is one or two successful power plays you might not even need to score but you get some quality opportunities and look like a dynamic power play that that could be all it takes to you know just have a couple of light switches go off and like, okay, I did this and we did this on that successful one. Let's go do it again. You'd, you'd almost like to see them treat it like there's 40 seconds left in the game. 100%. Right? Instead of these sort of slow and, and I would even say kind of methodical passing plays, just get it to the net. And, and, and it's going to sound so cliche, but I, I've got a, a pretty – I got a pretty good idea that the Flames' next power play goal is going to be an ugly one. That That's how this always seems to work, yeah. right? They're going to have to get pucks to the net and kind of jam it in there, but they're going to have to do that for a while. This is a power play that scored, what, in their first three games of the year? You know, three straight, so comes yeah. out of the gate and then ice cold and then gets a few in a three-game span and, and ice cold again. It's been a very... 
streaky power play, and it, it can't remain that way. few texts. This says, get the feet moving. Hard to get the power play going when they start with three or four guys standing at the blue line during entry. Uh, this, to your point, Wes, I think the opponents just aren't afraid of anyone on the power play. Like, they seem to just the um, to uh, front the point hard, and eventually the D coughs it up. Uh, this says, it's so obvious. Nobody's moving. Everyone stays within their own little 5 to 10 square foot zone, except Raz, who only moves laterally on the blue line. Move your damn feet, boys. You're too easy to cover. Mike writes, Pat, my fix would involve sticking Kadri where Kachuk used to be stationed by the net, and Manjapani is the bumper guy in front. I'd have pucks continually funneling and jamming towards the net down low until penalty kills start to collapse down low. Then theoretically should open up one-timers on the flank and from the point. And then finally this says, isn't the power play supposed to be Savard's specialty? So there's just a few of the texts at 960-960 on Calgary's power play woes. One for 29 in their last 10 games. Yeah, and and probably not too long before they look to the minors for a solution. And whether that's Matt Coronado, a right-handed shot who can really fling it, or whether that's maybe Adam Klapka, who's had a lot of success as the, you know, bad window, the guy who stands in the front of the window. in front like of the that. goalie at, at six foot seven and creates some havoc and also has a real knack for then being able to kind of bump himself back to open up that backdoor one timer. If you you know, if you've watched many Wranglers highlights, you've seen him score a lot of power play goals that way. It we are getting to the point where Pretty soon, the solution could be coming from outside. Well, we'll see what they do against Vegas as uh, they try to score another power play goal. Um, they've done it once in their last 10 games. It's their look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Uh, on, on a more positive note, we talked a little bit about this last hour on the roundtable, but does feel like maybe Calgary's five-on-five forward lines are starting to come around. Uh, they are going to stick with the same forward lines for, I believe, now the fourth consecutive game. Um, so you've got the Huberdeau line, which is, or I guess the Backlund line, whatever you want to call it, Backlund, Coleman, Huberdeau. The uh, Coleman line. The Coleman line, that could also work. Um, that seems to have really found a nice groove. Obviously, you know what Kadri has done with Pospisil and Zeri, and there's no reason to break that up, even though maybe hasn't been as impactful. You still know that they work well together. The key to me has kind of been that the Lindholm line with Manjapani and Sharon Govich has maybe started to find something in the last two or three games because having two or three lines going in one, on one night, if you have your fourth line going as well, that's great. But you know, if you have one of your top six lines and and the guy that we all point to is this team's number one center the line that he's on if it's not going you're going to have a lot of trouble rolling four lines and and being able to be a team that can potentially beat you with their depth so it feels like maybe that's taken some steps forward the last little bit especially and you referred to it we both referred to it several times when you're going to be a team that needs to win three two you don't have a line who's going to get you three and so you need them all going to produce enough offense to keep yourself in these hockey games. You know, when you only have one or two lines going, you you just probably aren't going to have a chance to put up the sort of numbers you're going to need to win. Simple as that. Yeah. It's, um, 
I do like I do like Sharon Govich on the Lindholm line. I do like Manjapani uh, as as kind of the third, or Sharon Govich is the third, or however you want to look at it. Um, that that has been a positive, and and they've been able to spend some time on the attack. They've been able to kind of drive play and and generate some opportunities. They had the big game against Dallas on Friday. They had I thought a good game on Saturday in Colorado, despite not getting on the score sheet. So uh, that is something that maybe is a positive as things move in a, in a good direction. So if that can continue, maybe it can carry over into their power play as well. I don't know. I'm maybe grasping at straws there. Well, and, and I would even say I, I think they've finally found, at least in the top two, I think they've finally found some defensive pairings that are more often than not working for them, yeah. right? Yeah. Talked to Noah Hannafin today. He talked about just the comfort level he has playing with Chris Tanev again. I think they're they're there are some clicks now we're we're 21 games into the season you better have some things clicking but there there are some signs that at five on five the flames are are starting to figure out where the pieces fit yep uh wes gilbertson pat steinberg we are underway this hour on flames talk we're here at the scotia bank saddle dome and everything uh getting done back downtown thanks to cam and taylor and uh they're at our doug lacy's basement systems downtown studio your local experts for basement waterproofing sump pumps crawl spaces foundation repair and radon mitigation they're all things basementy visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com you're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it is a Monday, which means it's time for the Future of the Flames, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they believe they can give patients more time, visit Oncolytics Biotech. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you on this Monday. And it's time to say hello to the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Trent Cull, on our Future of the Flames segment. Wranglers went 2-2 since our last chat with Trent. Uh, They took a 3-2 win over Tucson, 3-1 win over Abbotsford this past week, and then a 4-0 loss to Tucson and a 7-2 loss to Abbotsford as well. So now 13-4-1, and on top of the Pacific Division are the Wranglers so far this season. Coach, appreciate the time. As always, how are we doing today, Trent? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Pat? Doing well. Good to have you. Uh, good to have you on with us, as always. Um, and and I know the weekend didn't end the way that you were looking for on Sunday afternoon. But uh, as as you take a look at the week as a whole, how would you look back on a two and two week for your group? Yeah, um, you, you said it exactly. Actually, you said it probably more eloquently than I could. Yeah, that's. Uh, it was uh it kind of got off the rails yesterday i uh, and that's the first time that's happened to our group and uh and i mean like you said i'll talk about the whole week or what i'll actually probably talk about more than that but <laughs> i thought that uh when you're when your team like uh doesn't have a good night but everybody is almost the same like uh you know our forwards our defense our goaltenders it, it kind of was right across the board sometimes there's more than and that, uh, that meets the eye and I thought we did a pretty good job. We uh, were fairly tight checking the day before with Abbotsford. We got to like the 57th minute of the game and got a goal and found a way to win. And, uh, and what I, I can see with my group is after playing 10 games in, in 16 days, and, and I don't want to give excuses. It's not the idea, but I know what that's like as a player. And, and actually, mm-hmm. I don't even know if we played that many times as a player. But uh, 
that was a lot. Two separate trips to California, you know, just like everybody else travels to California, you know, through LAX and all this and buses and what have you. But I think it really caught up with our group. Uh, and I think we found a way to get through it on Saturday and then it didn't work out for us on Sunday. Overall, the week wasn't bad. And when I looked at that schedule and I took the job, I think in, in July, I was like, oh boy, that's a tough one. And that's what I, I had in the back of my head. If you come out of that trip over 500, You've done a we've done a really good job. So as a team, well, and I uh, I, I do I do wonder because you you talk about the schedule and how many games you played in a short period of time. Plus, you've had some injuries. You have some players up on the NHL roster, so you're also you're also stretched a little thin. And again, I not not trying to make excuses, and I know you never would, but just how have you liked the way that you know? There's there's been a lot on the group's shoulders. How have you liked the way that they've handled all of that over the last couple of weeks? Uh, you know what? Uh, admirably, you know what I mean? I think we've done a really good job. We've hung in there. Like I can see it coming in. And uh, when we got to uh, L.A., when we went and played Ontario, I, you know, we, we've done pre- we done a pretty good job the weekend before we were traveling. We're in Coachella and uh, in San Diego to start. And then we came home. We played Bakersfield. And that's, you know, you fly in one day. You play those guys the next day. Then you fly out the next day. And then we uh, went in a, a shootout, you know, and that was our first shootout in, in Ontario. And the next night, you know, we didn't have it, and you could see we were trying, but it, it wasn't there. And uh, we, and you know, sometimes I say this, you know, but like fatigue make, makes cowards of us all. And and you know, when you're not making good decisions, and it's kind of through through the group, you're like, wow, we, we're a tired group. You can see it, you know. And so we did our best last week to kind of mitigate that and try to get out in front of it, get some days off, get some rest. Uh, even like sleep in the one night we, you know, we lose the Tucson the next day. I was like, don't come to the rink, you know, just come for the game, you know? And so just, and you could see guys were kind of like a little bit of walking zombies. And, uh, but we had another day off there last week and then we had a, a short practice and then, but two games again. And I, like I said, I thought we were, we were decent on Saturday and found a way, but Sunday didn't work. So, but overall, like I said, like seven and three over that span of those 10 games. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty good job. And if you offered that to me in, in July, I would, I would have taken that for sure. Yeah, well well above 500 in that stretch of 10 games. And now you get a little bit of time to uh, R&R and, and some guys can rest up as you don't play again till the weekend. Just how, how important is this week to get some practice time in but also maybe manage some of that fatigue? Well, uh, if the players actually were to listen to this interview, they'd be finding out, or they're going to find out in about the next 15, 20 minutes that I'm giving them, I gave them today off. We're giving them tomorrow off as well. And uh, I mean, uh, just one of those things that just, we have to get out in front of it. You know, we got to get these guys back to their old selves, right? So that's why I think sometimes as a coach, you know, you it's it's tough to leave a game when you give up a touchdown and give your group two days off. But uh I mean, you got to do the right things, and I always yeah. say this too. And I talk about with our, our with our staff that you know what, like uh, when the staff is tired, I know the players are tired, and that's because we we've been running around a lot and trying to prepare. And I know when I'm looking at our group and I see that they don't look as fresh anymore, and they're tired and they're kind of beat up. I know for sure the players are feeling that way, if not more, because of the work that they put in. So I think it's the right thing for our group right now, and I and I want to coach a bunch of hungry guys, and I want to get us back to where we were because uh, it takes a little bit, that's for sure. We're chatting with Trent Cull, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Wes? 
Trent, did you make a point of, you know, because we keep hearing from you today the positives of this, you know, 18 and, or sorry, 10 and 18 day stretch and, and how proud you were of your group for getting through it with the record they did. Despite the lopsided score yesterday, did you make a point of pointing that out to the guys right after? I, you know what? I didn't talk to them after. I just, I just let them go. You know what I mean? Because there's no, uh, I didn't want to go in, just being honest with you, I didn't want to go in there and uh, commend them like over the stretch because we just give up a touchdown. And I was sure. still, I knew when we were, we were in it right away in the first period. And then we go start the second period. We turn it over in the power play. We give up a shorthanded goal. Like it just, it, it's like we couldn't get out of our own way yesterday. You know what I mean? It was, uh, um, you certainly don't laugh, but there's times where you're like, oh my God, like what is going on? Like this is just not the right, you know, it's just not us, you know? So I just let them go because I think they're, I think they're done. I think they're just, they were just cooked. And I uh, wanted them to go. And, you know, the one advantage of having sometimes those one o'clock games, you can get out there, you can go have a good meal, you can be with your wife, your kid, your, your dog, your, your family, whatever it is, or your buddies, and just kind of let it all melt away. And so I think they're going to understand. I sent them a little note today, and they're going to find out that they get another day off tomorrow. And so I think they, they understand that, that I understand, I guess you'd say, right? And then we'll. Uh, we'll kind of hit some things back on Wednesday and get back to practicing what I think it's important. But also too, though, like there is a time that when you're tired, some of the things, the mistakes you normally make, you make more of them, but it, there is a, t- there's, I think there's a lesson for us to learn there too, about how we have to manage those situations. We're going to be tired again. I think in, uh, I think it's February, we heat up again and we have another stretch like this and it's, it's going to be tough. So hopefully we can take some learning lessons from this one and that'll help us in February. I know you get asked all the time, or, or you have since he was uh, since he was sent down to your club about Matt Coronado, but he puts up seven points this past week, three goals. The number that jumped out to me was in four games. He had 18 shots at net. Now, now that you've had a, a little bit of time to work with him, what have you seen in terms of what makes Matt a guy who has just kind of consistently put himself on the score sheet? He's... Uh... Well, first of all, he thinks the game well. He, he's got it, you know. He's got a good hockey head on his shoulders. Like he uh, he looks and he can play with other good players. So, in other words, he's going to use his puck. He's going to share the puck. He does a good job of distributing the puck. Is, is also like he is a he is a sniper. You know, he has a nose for the net and he wants to shoot the puck, which I think is important because a lot of times guys don't shoot the puck enough, you know, and they, and they kind of, they don't keep themselves as threats and all of a sudden they're passing more and and doing that. Whereas the great thing is, is by him shooting, it creates even more opportunities. If he doesn't score, then hopefully it's a rebound or hopefully it's something else. And so it creates, I call it chaos. And and I love it when our guys are shooting and and getting uh, around the net. And I think it's, it's a good, I've been a big part of our success, I think uh, here so far. So, and it's great to see Matt doing that on the side. You know what? One of the things they had said was, hey, they, they wanted this guy playing some meaningful minutes. And uh, my goodness, like, I don't know how – you guys should – I should I should be looking this up. I don't know how many games Matt played last year, but Matt just played 10 games in 16 days. And he's playing power play, PK, you know, five on five, end of game, you know, empty net time. So uh, he's playing some meaningful uh, minutes, and he's done a great job. I'm going to ask you one that uh, that's kind of double-barreled and, and about Nick DeSimone. He gets sent uh, sent down yesterday after I think playing eight for the Flames. So so kind of two two questions in one for you. What what does it 
potentially mean to to get Nick back on on your back end? And and then as part of that, you know, he he's one of the quote unquote new guys at the NHL level, but. How do you see that AHL experience? How do you see that leadership out of him when he's with the Wranglers? Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, when he left us there, I think it's probably three weeks ago, like uh, he, or maybe it was two weeks ago, Jeepers, it's starting to roll in. But uh, he was he was playing at his pinnacle, I thought. And just uh, how he operates at a kind of a high speed. And he's he's defending at that speed. He's moving pucks at that speed. And so it's really great for us from the back end to have a guy like that who's playing fast with the puck, but playing fast with his feet and then taking away opposition's time and space. So on both sides of the puck, I, I think he was really important for us, you know, and then and to see him kind of escalate his game as the coaches have been telling me, like, you hadn't seen that. We haven't seen the best of him. Yeah, we haven't seen the best. And then all of a sudden he has a great weekend and then gets called up. So it was, it was kind of perfect timing, I think, for him. Uh, and, he, and he's done a pretty good – I mean, I don't – I'm not coaching him. Like, I'm, I'm saying just from the outside, just like a fan, like as, as you guys are or whoever is. Like, I think he's done a pretty good job in Calgary too. So he should be coming down here with his head held high. And, and you know, who knows? That's the thing. Even though Nick was sent to us, they've got a game tonight, you know, game Thursday, whatever. Who knows if, if, if he actually is staying or he goes back up or someone else is going. We never know. It's always uh, the, the just changing the, the chairs around on the deck there. So. We're chatting with Trent Cull, a few more with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers on this Monday. Uh, Trent, we've, we've asked you a couple times uh, about Rory Karens over the last couple of weeks and a few more points for your group over the weekend. And one of the things that you said a couple of weeks ago was, you know, he was a guy who was a healthy scratch early on, and when he's got in, he's found a way to get points. What what has allowed him to consistently be on the scoreboard for your group since he became a regular? Well, he's he's kind of like um, I, I'm gonna say this that uh, like just like he's he's found his way in, but he's he's a good kind of a playmaking guy. He's got a good uh, hockey sense, a good brain for for offense in the sense of like he wants to score goals and he wants to to make plays and he and he reads what's going on. And I've I've said this to the coaches and you guys I think before, but he, he's a coachable kid. Like I, I showed a video clip the other day, you know, and all of a sudden he's the one who's trying to do the things that I'm saying. And I showed it to him once, you know, so you can see he's a pretty coachable guy. And, uh, and one thing I guess you could say for Rory is that, you know, and I, I think I've said this every time when, when you're not playing and you're out of the lineup, it's, it's difficult. And that's why these young men are here. They're here to play hockey. He handled it like a true pro. He, you know, he kept working really hard in practice, you know, and I said about, you know, playing with speed and then he gets in the lineup and, and he does those things and he's working really hard to stay in the lineup. And, Sometimes, you know, like uh, it's not easy to take that slap in the face, but when you do and then all of a sudden you get the opportunity, like you're hungry, you're hungry for it. And that's, uh, and I think he's done a great job of kind of reaching out and grabbing that and, and doing, and, you know, doing whatever he can to stay in the lineup too. And then the, uh, the the other guy, just last individual I wanted to ask you about, and, and we haven't talked about Cole Schwint in, in a little bit with you. You know, he was so close to making the NHL roster for the Flames this year. Uh, he starts this season with your group down there. I'm just curious as to how you would evaluate the first uh, quarter of, of his season with your group. How, how have you liked coaching Cole Schwint? How would you look at the way that he's played for your team? I like co- coaching Cole for sure. I think he's a good young man, and I think he's he's he has a quiet game. And what I mean by that is, 
unless you're watching Cole really closely, like he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you like the Coronados or you know like he's just he's a solid player who plays again. This guy I, I, he plays a ton. He's starting on my PK on a right side face off. He's a right shot. He's our best uh, percentage guy winning on those face offs. So he's the guy going out for those face offs all the time, depending on where the, the other team's power play starts. So that's really important, you know. And then he's on our power play. He's on our top unit. Like he's uh, he's he's an integral piece to our group and and but he's a quiet player like what i mean by that is when he is checking well and doing those solid things and playing against other teams good players like you don't really notice maybe cole as much as you would someone else who stands out but i think that that's the that's the part that we're working on about him you know doing that and accepting that and and being consistent with that because i think that's cole's uh, ticket to to move on to the flames you know he has to be a really good checking centerman uh and he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to rely be able to rely on him when he goes on the ice and that's the way we see him right now and uh and even just being honest with you i kind of downshifted him in the lineup a little bit because i, I want him to to be really accepting of that role and, and to really understand that i think that's the it may not be points and goals for Cole, but if he's learning to check better and do a better job of that, I think that's the right recipe for him. Trent, if I can just jump in on that quickly, what what shows you that Cole is embracing that? What what shows you that Cole is kind of determined that hey, I I can be a good checking center at the top level? Well, I well we've talked about it for sure. Like just me and him, you know what I mean. And so like, and I know he understands that and. Uh, and I, and I think he's he's doing a good job. You know what? All of us as players, like, you know, we we want to have goals or some stats and numbers, and it makes us it makes you feel better looking at that, right? But that's not always how you're measured, too. You know, and that's what I want to make sure that he knows. Like, that's not how we're measuring him. And uh, and so maybe that was a bit of a mixed message for me at the start because I had him playing with uh, like Zari and and Pospisil, and then and then it was Coronado and Hunt. But uh, you know, sometimes I think that it's good to kind of change things up a little bit. And I wanted to make sure too that that's just not how I think uh, as the organization how we're uh, assessing him. And uh, and I think he's done a good job. I thought. I thought Cole had a good like last four games. I mean, I don't like our last game. Obviously, we, we were a little off, but but he's been really solid for us the last the three before that. Last one for you, Trent, and that's just overall. Uh, you've got the the two games in Henderson. Your first time taking on the Silver Knights this year. You got them both on the road this weekend. Tell us about the the challenge upcoming against this Henderson group that I think you only see four times this season. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's uh, I know they're uh, have some bigger players. They can be uh, fairly heavy, a heavy group, and uh, and and they've got some skilled guys. There are a couple guys I coached in the past there too, so I have some familiarity with. But uh, solid team. I mean, I think you can almost say the same thing about everybody in the Pacific Division. Like this is a really difficult division. You you look at like we've you look at our our numbers and and they're kind of the the run to the start of the year we've been on here in 18 games and we're just a couple points ahead you know i mean not like you know we haven't ran away from anything you have a bad weekend you're probably in the middle of the pack again so it's amazing how um how good this division is right now that's for sure and so this is just another good solid team out of the division that we're going to see and it's always a good challenge for us to go to vegas there's always usually some extra bells and whistles around the ice right so it's good for us to be able to focus in on hockey and and have to deal with some other uh, outside noise sometimes 
Appreciate the time, as always, Coach. Thank you so much, and uh, get some rest yourself this week before you head on the road again. Uh, thanks so much for doing this again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too. That is uh, Trent Cole. As always, great to chat with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk, and he joins us as the future of the Flames, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how an idea originating in Calgary inspired hope for many, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. So, uh, you know, we just talked about the Flames. Uh, we've talked a lot about how busy that trip was for them. Wranglers played 10 games in 16 nights or whatever it was. Absolutely. Goodness gracious. Bonkers, yep. yeah. We forgot to ask him about the puppy, by the way. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw I, Trent I, called it his post-game availability. With a puppy on with Saturday. A, with a puppy, yeah. A <laughs> really cute puppy. So that's... um. See, we pride ourselves on asking the tough questions around here. a real miss yeah, we. Us. Yeah, that is a miss. Well, you know what? We should probably wrap up the hour as a result. Uh, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Uh, thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers, back downtown. And, uh, yes, this hour wraps up, and this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.